unfiltered, uncensored, and unapologetic. This is the Retail War Zone Podcast. I do want to thank everybody who has shared the Justice for Evan petition. I checked it just a little bit ago. It's, it's hanging around probably 550 signatures needed to hit 10K. Uh, so I do want to thank everybody, especially the bigger, you know, Twitter followers like Berserk and whatnot that, you know, have a much more far reaching range than we do to get that out there. So at least we're helping make a difference. I will say that next week we were planning on doing an episode. It was going to be a two-part thing. There was going to be an interview with Evan's father that I would have pre-recorded and edited and posted up on a Tuesday. And then on Wednesday, I would have the two organizers of Justice for Evan on the show live. Well, the legal proceedings have started, and I fully understand you know, the family wants to kind of pull back. Uh, you know, I wouldn't want to be complicit in any way, shape, or form if something got said that Kroger could use against them or whatnot. And I think it's the right move. We are planning on doing something next week uh, with the organizers from Justice for Evan. I'm not real sure what it's going to be yet. It could get pushed back. Either way, it, it's coming. You know, and it's a story that needs to be told, and the the way I'm wanting to approach it is a little bit differently than everybody else. So that is coming. Also have been in contact with the screenwriter for the movie Black Friday. He messaged me. He sent me an email last night asking for details. I'm just waiting for a response to see if he would like to participate. Um, I think that's a 50-50 at this shot. Hopefully, you know, he he does you know, want to come on. I think, you know, it's of great interest to us since we've all worked Black Friday. So, but now, okay. So I really wish that we didn't have to do this, but as blame, you know, like I told you, blame tag, there's not a lot that really gets under my skin, but working in this business and all of us, anybody that watches or is familiar with what we do, we all work in the field the amount of garbage we have to listen to from customers because we're out of stock on something or, you know, it, why is this not coming in? And they make half-assed comments about the supply chain, like they know what they're talking about. You know, they've made it a political issue. And the first thing I want to say is this isn't a political episode. Uh, the one thing I want to get out there right now, first and foremost, is a lot of people see red and blue. I see two heads on the same snake. So that's kind of where I stand. But at the same time, you know, you've got to be fair. And what I really equate it to is if you follow football, it's like college rivalries. It's like, you know, Florida versus Florida State or Clemson versus South Carolina or Michigan versus Michigan State or UCLA versus USC. You know, the list goes on and on and on. And what happens is your team loses and you spend the entire offseason bitching about the fact that your team lost. And that's where we're at right now with this. This is what this really all comes down to. And it's aggravating because it's just like, you know, I don't want it to be political because it's not, all right? But we'll just use numbers. If 45 was still there, instead of people blaming 46 for shortages and outages, I can 100% guarantee you that they all of a sudden they'd be blaming China. 
they've got to have somebody to blame, you know, and, and it is, it's just aggravating and it's sad and it's misinformed. And regardless, if you like whoever's in office, I, I grew up, you know, being taught, it doesn't matter if you like the person that's in the chair, but you need to respect the office because that's the leader of the free world. And, you know, we've lost that. You know, I think a lot of what we're about to go over right now is about selfishness and about how we've lost our way. But for anybody that's watching and you're wondering why we're here, all right, why this happened? Well, so what really kind of triggered me was uh, there was a picture of a grocery store shelf posted on Facebook. And... I kind of giggled a little bit and then I read the comments and, um, yeah, I'll just, I'll just show you it's, it's pretty bad. So this all comes around (laughs) a picture somebody took of a local grocery store, right? And I mean, just look at these comments. I mean, this is what we're dealing with. We work in the field. This is the shit that we have to hear from customers that come in. It's like, you guys, we work here. I mean, it's, it's bad. I mean, look, you know, the first one, okay, that is pretty spot on. Can't stock inventory when you don't have employees or inventory to stock. You know, everyone went crazy after the first announcement about snow. It may take weeks to replenish all the shelves. Correct. And then you guys, oh, it's going on everywhere. Oh. And then there's a picture of 46. We're all we're all familiar with that one. And then continue. Today marks one year under 46 in his administration. Build back better. Um, go on further down. You know, 46 says stores are 85 to 90 percent full. You know, welcome to 46 is America. Let's go 46. Um, this is how it begins. They take away things a little at a time till you feel dependent on them. It's time for we, the people, to stand up against their communist agenda. 46 is trying to starve everybody. Um, I mean, it goes on. This is called the 46 reset. You know, build back better. And I'm thinking to myself, God, y'all are some sad, sad people. I mean, but wait, there's more. Blame tags for me with this. So I got cussed out. I got attacked on Twitter the other night. So this next picture is going to kind of show you the the uh, chain of events that went on there. This person posted, I took out their name. You know, uh, one of our followers said she was so mad it turned her into a rabid yellow dog. But anyway, um, she's piggybacking off some of these pictures. Literally me today at the grocery store, quote unquote, Lowe's Foods, which is important. And I'll explain why here in a minute. It's bad where I live in this hole. The economy is booming, ain't hitting the way Democrats think it is. Everyday people can see that's a lie. It's booming for the rich, but that's about it. So here I come because there's not a lot that triggers me, but this whole supply chain thing triggers the hell out of me. And so I responded to with, so Lowe's Foods is a Southern based chain. We just came through snow and some instances twice, depending on your area. Having said that, most Southerners freak out at the first hint of snow and overbuy thinking they will be trapped forever. So, yes, 100% lows is lower empty. Please quit sensationalizing this. Supply and demand is alive and well. And when it snows in the South, it's borderline hoarding when a family buys six families worth of food for less than five inches of snow. And this this educated response I got back was shut the fuck up. 
I know where I live and I know how long my area has had a problem keeping shelf stock. I don't care where you work. That's got nothing to do with where I'm able to shop. And, you know, being the nice person I am and, and I want to give a people a platform to to spout off, you know, their beliefs and whatnot. Okay, ma'am, shots F and fired. I would like to extend an invitation to you to appear on my podcast to discuss your supply chain issues. I want to give you all of the time you need to explain your rationale. You may not care where I work, but let me say I am all ears. She responded, no, thank you. My response, that's fair. I offered, however, spreading an untrue narrative without facts to base it upon other than conjecture and which team you pull for is pretty lacking. You're free to believe what you will. It's your right to do so. Just know that the supply chain is politically agnostic. You could see that she blocked me. Well, then, you know, I had to throw some facts out there because I do know what I'm talking about with this. Um, Lowe's Foods was acquired by Merchants Distributors Incorporated in 84. They're based in Hickory, North Carolina. They have 61 locations in North Carolina, 17 in South Carolina, and one in Virginia. Yes, they are empty because there was snow in the South. So, oh, yeah, she's not coming on. And so, what's up, Hybrid? Um, Oh, I was in one of your locations today. They are not having a good time. I'm sure you are aware. But I, I mean, come on, man. I mean, really? You know, this is where we go. I mean, and one of the saddest parts about all of this is I see people spouting off this same rhetoric that work in the industry, that 110% know better, people that are in management positions, who have been in the business for decades. They know that's not how it works. But they're riding that train. Their team lost, so they got to spend the offseason bitching about it. And the sad part is there's some really smart people I know that are, are right along with this. And, you know, we all hear it when we're at work. You'll be out on the floor. Something's empty. Somebody mumble under their breath. Oh, well, this is, you know, bear shells 46. You know, it's like, come on. Where does this come from? I mean, God knows that those people will do their own research, quote, unquote. But they're obviously not researching the right thing. So I am no expert on supply chain, but... I've worked in the business long enough to know how transportation works and how logistics works. And obviously the general buying public does not. And in researching for this, I found something probably the best I have seen of a publication actually going out of their way to give us a timeline of how it started, the wins and the whys in the house. And that would be from the New York times. And so I tried to parse this as best as I could because this was an article that as you scrolled, the their flow chart would expand. So I had to do it like step by step. Um, and just to let everybody know, all the articles that I referenced tonight are in the links to the description. Um, the one that really is the most important is going to be the last one, and you'll understand why when we get there. But here's the New York Times. How the supply chain crisis unfolded. Ships stuck at sea, warehouses overflowing, trucks without drivers. The highly intricate and interconnected global supply chain is in upheaval with little end in sight. Uh, 
The turmoil has re- revealed how the need to ship surgical masks to West Africa from China can have a cascading effect on Ford's ability to put backup cameras on its cars and factories in Ohio and delay the arrival of Amazon Prime orders in Florida in time for the holidays. In one way or another, much of the crisis can be traced back to the outbreak of COVID-19. So, and they did a really, really good job of this. I was actually very impressed with how they did this. So these slides that are coming up, it goes from the beginning to where we are now. So when the pandemic struck in 2020, people and businesses were quickly forced to restrict their activity, sending the global economy into a brief but damaging freefall. Okay, so there you go. The pandemic economic slowdown. Next, you've got pandemic layoffs and then production slowdown. As offices and stores closed and factories from Asia to Europe and North America halted production, companies laid off workers en masse. That took spending power and economic life force out of the people's hands. Now, we're the retail war zone. We talk about employees and stuff. Make no mistake, the bottom line to all this comes down to laying off employees and not wanting to pay livable wages. But we'll get there. So you see the next reduction in shipping. Okay, here's a chart, folks. If some of you are watching this and and you're on this bear sales Biden bullshit, look, we've got it in black and white for you with, you know, um, visual aids for you to try to understand and follow along. Okay, I'm sorry. It's not finger paint, but this is the best we got. But the last one, with fewer goods being made and fewer people with paychecks to spend, manufacturers and shipping companies assumed that demand would drop sharply. But a far more complicated situation unfolded, challenging the global supply chain. In early 2020, the entire planet suddenly needed surgical masks and gowns and other protective gear. Most of these goods were made in China, which produced half of all protective masks the year before. As China factories ramped up to meet the new demand, cargo vessels delivered protective gear around the globe, even to regions that do relatively little trade with China, such as West Africa. Empty shipping containers piled up in many parts of the world. The result was a shortage of shipping containers in the one country that needed them the most, China. So if you look at the flow chart, they were focusing on PPE, shortage of shipping containers. Then you get to China's factories were pumping out goods in record volumes, despite the worry that economic devastation would destroy spending in many countries. The pandemic merely shifted the demand. Instead of eating out and attending events, Americans bought office furniture, electronics, and kitchen appliances. So you see there, increase in demand for durable goods. Then we come to... The pandemic sharply accelerated a trend that had been advancing for years, the shifts toward online shopping. From April to June 2020, as the first wave of the virus spread, Amazon sold 57% more items than it had a year earlier. That's three months that they increased 57% over their entire prior fiscal year. Think about that for a minute. And in the buying thing becomes important here shortly. Um, the spending in the United States was also encouraged by government stimulus programs that mailed checks to households, part of a record-setting effort to resuscitate the economy. Households collectively received hundreds of billions in recovery aid. So you see on the flow chart, increase in demand for durable goods, and then you have recovery measures. 
As demand increased, a wave of factory goods swiftly overwhelmed U.S. ports. With too many ships arriving at once, boats had to wait at times in 100-vessel queues off the ports of Los Angeles and Long Beach. Swelling orders also outstripped the availability of shipping containers, and the cost of shipping a container from Shanghai to Los Angeles skyrocketed tenfold. There you see, strained supply chains. I want everybody to understand that wants to talk about 46. This was going on during 45. Um, Even once unloaded, containers piled up on docks unclaimed because of a shortage of truck drivers. We've talked about that before, but we'll get into that later. Needed to haul cargo to warehouses. Truck drivers had long been scarce with wages. Oh, there's that word. Steadily eroding over the years amid grueling working conditions. Businesses across the company struggled to hire workers at warehouses, retailers, construction companies, and for other skilled trades. Even as employers resorted to lifting wages, labor shortages persisted, worsening the scarcity of goods. Are we following along? Shortages of one thing have turned into shortages of others. A dearth of computer chips, for example, has forced major automakers to slash production while even delaying the manufacturer of medical devices. As businesses and consumers have reacted to shortages by ordering earlier and extra, that's, think about buying stuff in the snow in the South, extra, especially ahead of the year and holidays that has placed more strain on the system. And if you look at, you know, the flowchart, you've got component shortages, you got increase in demand, people already shopping online more frequently, which wound up resulting in a shortage of durable goods, which strains the supply chain. And then finally, with the holiday shopping season underway and the Biden administration pressing to force major ports to expand operations, supply chain has become a central political issue. It is also a key factor in rising inflation, which is deepening concerns about the fate of the global economy and its recovery from the lockdowns of the pandemic. The supply chain issues are likely to last for many more months, if not years. So, let's go back here and look at uh, comments and see what we got. All right. Blame tag. We should printable flashcards of those slides to help <laughs> deal with these people. Um, yeah, office supplies. So, the one thing to keep in mind here is we, I mean, come on. Look, panic buying. And no one wants to to hear that or acknowledge that. You know, the general public went apeshit in March of 2020. I'll never forget. I was like, well, God, I guess I need to go to the grocery store and get some stuff. And it was right when they were shutting everything down. And I walked into this grocery store and there's people running around with shopping carts and whatnot. And it was like end of the world. And I'm thinking to myself, you know, a lot of us laughed at all those preppers. They the ones that were sitting back laughing at that point because it, it, it was insanity. And you look at like the toilet paper or you look at like, you know, the hand sanitizer. 
it, it was the, the general buying public that caused the shortages. They bought way more than they needed. And then you had the enterprising people who decided they were going to hoard shit and sell it for like an inflated price. We all saw the, the different news articles about people had little storage buildings full of hand sanitizer and toilet paper. You know, it, but nobody wants to admit that they, you know, they're a huge part of why we have this problem. And when you talk about, you know, the demand and whatnot, when you live in the South and, and they even mention the snow word, it's it's like gluttony. It's like, you know, there was a running joke here recently that someone was going to open up a weight loss program or a weight, or a weight loss center because the town was going to have an obesity problem with the amount of stuff that they bought. And because you really do, you these people in the South feel like, oh my God, they're going to be frozen into ice cubes and they're never going to eat again. And they're buying like two, three carts worth of stuff that they don't need. And God, only, I can only imagine how much of it they wind up throwing out after the snow. But nobody wants to admit that, you know, the selfishness of most people in this country is a contributing factor to shortages. So, and then, you know, you go into like grocery, all right? And this is from, I believe, eater.com. Grocery store shortages are back, and here's why. Well, the supply chain right now, and this is a very important thing for people to understand. This quote at the very beginning, we do not have a problem with farms producing enough food. We have problems with not enough labor in the supply chains between the farms and the consumers. Now, the customer base is going to complain, but they're also the same ones who feel like you shouldn't have a livable wage. So which do you want? Do you want your produce? Do you want your groceries to come in? Well, if you're that hungry and you're that starving and you're that gluttonous, well, why don't you press these businesses to pay people more? So, hey, maybe you can get your stuff. But, you know, here's, here it is. Since the start of the pandemic, workers in many industries have been quitting their jobs in high numbers. Food workers across the supply chain have long been some of the lowest paid across industries and subject to terrible working conditions. Now they're facing burnout. During COVID-19, workers in meatpacking plants, food manufacturing plants, grocery stores, and restaurants suffered through outbreaks and deaths while being pushed to work harder to meet increased demand. Mm-hmm. And I'm not going to go through, I'm not going to read this whole thing. Uh, I'm just going to pick out, you know, some stuff. You know, in November, uh, 4.5 million Americans quit their jobs. Six representatives from a broad cross-section of the country's food system told the, the House Agricultural Committee that the labor shortage is the number one immediate issue facing national supply chains. And then Omicron hit. Okay, all you people out there complaining because you can't get your produce or whatnot, maybe you should start complaining that they start paying workers more so they can have somebody to have the food out for you to get fatter. That's kind of how I see it. Um, but it's... You know, one of those deals where we see that what's going on here has to do with employees. It goes back to people being tired of getting crap wages and getting worked to death. So this is kind of where we're at. Um, 
Hero says some person had to plant, grow, harvest, and ship your spinach, Karen. It doesn't grow in the bag in the background. <laughs> that is that is a, a wonderful statement. That's true. Um, so you know it, it's we get these people that come in and, and and they talk about this stuff and they blame it on whoever, but they have no idea how the logistics work and they do not want to take the time to learn. And nothing aggravates me more than somebody trying to blame something on somebody that, you know, had nothing to do with it. And, you know, regardless of what your feelings are about, you know, presidents and whatnot, what do you expect? You expect him to go out and start harvesting and personally deliver this stuff to your door? It doesn't work that way. And it comes down to the fact that you're selfish and you want what you want right then and there. I had made a post a while back on Twitter about Veruca Salt. Um, it's all the Veruca Salts in the marketplace that have caused this shortage more than the logistics problems. You overbuy. You do not buy what you need. You want to buy extra so somebody else doesn't get it before you do. But you want to complain and think that, oh, well, here's here's the reason why. Now, Blame tag, you should remember this one. I had posted this a while back. This is the most important thing out of everything that I sourced. And, you know, I love the way that he approaches it. I love the way that he addresses the quote-unquote experts. Um, and it's extremely powerful. This is actually from a 20-year truck driver. I will tell you why America's shipping crisis will not end. I have a simple question for every expert who thinks they understand the root causes of the shipping crisis. Why is there only one crane for every 50 to 100 trucks at every port in America? No quote unquote expert will answer this question. He goes on. I'm a class A truck driver with experience in nearly every aspect of freight. My experience in the trucking industry of 20 years tells me that nothing is going to change in the shipping industry. Let's start with understanding some things about ports. Outside of dedicated port trucking companies, most trucking companies won't touch shipping containers. There is a reason for that. Think of going to the port as going to Walmart on Black Friday, but imagine only one cashier for thousands of customers. Think about the lines. Except at a port, there are at least three lines to get a container in or out. The first line is the end gate where hundreds of trucks daily have to pass through five to, ten, five to ten available gates. The second line is waiting to pick up your container. The third line is for waiting to get out. For each of these lines, the wait time is a minimum of an hour. So I've waited up to eight hours in the first line just to get into the port. Some ports are worse than others, but excessive wait times are not uncommon. It's a rare day when a driver gets in and out in under two hours. By rare day, I mean maybe a handful of times a year. Ports don't even begin to have enough workers to keep the ports fluid. And it doesn't matter where you are, coastal or inland port, union or non-union port, it's the same everywhere. Furthermore, I'm fortunate enough to be a Teamster, a union driver, an employee paid by the hour. Most port drivers are quote-unquote independent contractors leased onto a carrier who is paying them by the load. Whether their load takes two hours, 14 hours, or three days to complete, they get paid the same. And they have to pay 90% of their truck operating expenses. 
The carrier might pay the other 10%, but usually less. The rates paid to non-union drivers for shipping container transport are usually extremely low. In a majority of cases, these drivers don't come close to my union wages. They pay for all their own repairs and fuel and all truck-related expenses. I honestly don't understand how many of them can even afford to show up for work. There's no guarantee of any wage, not even minimum wage. And in many cases, these drivers make far below minimum wage. In some cases, they work 70-hour weeks and still end up owing money to their carrier. So when the coastal ports started getting clogged up last spring due to the impacts of COVID on business everywhere, drivers started refusing to show up. Congestion got so bad that instead of being able to do three loads a day, they could only do one. They took a two-third pay cut, and most of these drivers were working 12 hours a day or more. While carriers were charging increased pandemic shipping rates, none of those rate increases went to the driver wages. Many drivers simply quit. However, while the pickup rate for containers severely decreased, they were still being offloaded from the boats, and it's only gotten worse. Earlier this summer, both BNSF and Union Pacific Railway shut down their container yards in the Chicago area for a week for inbound containers. These are some of the busiest ports in the country. They had miles upon miles of stacked container trains waiting to get in to be unloaded. According to BNSF, containers were sitting in the port a third longer than usual, and they simply ran out of space to put them until some of the ones already on the ground had been picked up. Though they did reopen the area ports, they are still over capacity. Stack trains are still sitting loaded all over the country waiting to get into a port to unload, and they have to be unloaded. There is a finite number of rail cars. Equipment shortages are a large part of this problem. One of these critical shortages is the container chassis. A container chassis is the trailer the container sits on. Cranes will load these in port. Chassis are typically container company provided as trucking companies generally do not have their own chassis units. They are essential for container trucking. While there are some privately owned chassis, there aren't enough of those to begin to address the backlog of containers today. And now drivers are sitting around for hours, sometimes days, waiting for chassis. The impact of the container crisis now hitting residencies in proximity to trucking companies. Containers are being pulled out of the port and dropped anywhere the drivers can find because the trucking company lots are awful. Ports are desperate to get containers out so they can unload the new containers coming in by boat. When this happens, there is no plan to deliver this freight yet. They are literally just making room for the next ship at the port. This won't last long as this just compounds the shortage of chassis. Ports will eventually find themselves unable to move containers out of the port until sitting containers are delivered, emptied, returned, or taken to a storage lot. What happens when the container goes to a warehouse? A large portion of the international containers must be hand unloaded because the products are not on pallets. It takes a working crew a considerable amount of time to do this, and warehouse work is usually low wage. A lot of it is actually only temp staffed. Many full-time warehouse workers got laid off when the pandemic started. Mm Mm-hmm. Yep, they sure did. And didn't come back. And can you blame them? So warehouses, like everybody else, are chronically short-staffed. When the poor trucker gets to the warehouse, they have to wait for a door. The warehouses are behind schedule, sometimes by weeks. After maybe a two-hour wait, the driver gets a door, drops a container, but now often has to pick up an empty and goes back to the port to wait in line all over again to drop off the empty. 
At the warehouse, the delivered freight is unloaded and it is usually separated and bound to pallets and shipped out much smaller quantities to final destination. A container that had a couple of dozen pallets of goods on it will go out to multiple trailers to multiple different destinations for a few pallets at a time. From personal experience, what used to take me 20 to 30 minutes to pick up at a warehouse now can take three to four hours. The slowdown is warehouse management related. Very few warehouses are open 24 hours. And even if they are, many are so short-staffed, it doesn't make much difference. They are so far behind schedule. It means that as a freight driver, I cannot pick up as much freight in a day as I used to. And since I can't get as much freight on my truck, the whole supply chain is backed up. Freight simply isn't moving. People who want the deliveries in a reasonable time frame are going to have to start paying premium rates. Uh, what else we got going on here? The quote-unquote experts want to say we can do things like open the ports 24-7, and this problem will be over in a couple of weeks. They are blowing smoke, and they know it. Getting a container out of port as slow and aggravating as it is is really the easy part. If you can find a truck and chassis to haul it. But every truck driver in America cannot operate 24-7, even if the government suspends hours of service regulations. We still need to sleep sometime. There are also restrictions on which trucks can go into a port. They have to be approved, have RFID tags, port registered, and the drivers have to have at least a TWIC card. Some ports have additional requirements. As I already said, most trucking companies won't touch shipping containers with a 100-foot pole. What we have is a system with a limited amount of trucks and qualified drivers, many of whom are already working 14 hours a day, legally the maximum that they can. And now the supposed fix is to have them work 24 hours a day every day and not stop until the backlog is cleared. It's not going to happen. It's not physically possible. There is no cavalry coming. No trucking companies are going to pay to register their trucks to haul containers for something that is supposedly so short-term because the same companies can get higher rate loads outside of the ports. There's no extra capacity to be had. It makes no difference anyway because if you can't get a container unloaded at a warehouse, having drivers work 24-7, 365 solves nothing. So I highly recommend everybody go read this like i said the um description you know the link for it is in the description but guys i mean these people that come into your stores and harass you because you're out of plates or you're out of some little bobble that they want or that you know you're out of their favorite cereal and they want to sit there and point blame, you know, to people that have absolutely nothing to do with it. They're assholes. All right. And the common theme through all of this is there's a shortage of labor. And we know why there's a shortage of labor. Because the wages aren't there. People got tired of getting crap wages for hard jobs. And they left. And who's to blame? Once again, customers are going to yell at a cashier. Customers are going to yell at a manager. Just because they can't get their Fruit Loops or their Fruity Pebbles or whatever it is they want. But never once are they going to research any of what I just put up here, nor if they found it, aren't going to take the time to read it. And they sure as hell aren't going to advocate for better wages and better treatment of employees to make sure they get the products that they desire. And that is a problem. So if anybody's watching this and you spout off all this junk about all this is President Biden's fault or whatnot, like I said, I, 
two heads of the same snake. I'm not a team member, all right? Y'all need to get educated. Y'all need to figure it out. Y'all need to understand how this really, how this is really going down. And I just really feel like that you're so misinformed and you're so selfish and you're so pissed off that your team lost a rivalry game that you can't get over it. You can't move on. You have to blame something for it. Look, shit happens. Life keeps going. And for you people that want to be so miserable and carry that much negativity over something that's over and done with, y'all need help. And y'all wonder why, you know, you got longer lines at stores and, and, and there's no employees because we're all sick of dealing with you. You, you don't want to give any at all. You'll take all day long. But the only thing you give is venom. And, you know, we had a discussion today. Look at all the programs that people blamed about there being no workers. Oh, it's the unex- it's the expanded unemployment. It's, you know, the child credit. All this stuff. All those programs are, are gone. So what's the excuse now? You know... People go into businesses wanting service. Nine times out of ten goes they're lazy. All right. You know, they're there we that and that's a whole different thing. But, you know, we've all seen the meme. You kept telling people to get better jobs. Well, they did. And now you're pissed off about it. And because you can't get your snacky cakes or you can't get, you know, whatever trinket from China you so desire. And you know what? It serves you right. It really does. And if you guys spend so much time sitting around coming up with different theories as to, you know, to fit your own narrative, you're very small-minded. And I'm sorry that your life is so miserable. And I'm even more disappointed in the intellectual people that I know that have fallen for this and believe it and they might not believe it. They might, you know, they're kind of like bandwagon fans, I guess you would say. You know, there's tons of people who don't like Kansas City, but, you know, since they're doing well, they'll all of a sudden pull for them. What are y'all doing? And, and better yet, what are y'all doing to make it better? You don't like how the supply chain's running? Go learn to drive a truck. Go put in the work. You just want shit given to you. You want to be able to walk in and make comments like, oh, you know, the, the, this shortage thing. I mean, they're trying to starve us all. Are you fucking stupid? Because that's how y'all come off. Do some research. And I'm not talking about medical research that you do on Facebook. I'm talking about learn about logistics. Learn about ports. Learn about how long it takes from something to get from China to the ports of L.A. You know, sorry, not everything is, you know, instant gratification. And it's just the way it works. And I've always been kind of of a belief, if you're going to bitch about something a lot, try to try to make a change. What are you going to do to make the situation better other than bitching? Go to church and, you know, bitch to your congregation people 
you know, y'all get out of church on Sunday, you know, you, you, you've, you've cleansed yourself for the week of sins. And now you go out into the public and, and just treat people like garbage. You know, I made a joke, um, that, you know, everybody talks about Hobby Lobby and Chick-fil-A being closed on Sunday. I think I figured it out. They're not closed on Sunday to, you know, because of religious reasons. They're closed on Sunday because they don't want to deal with their people either because they know how bad they are. And, you know, I just, I, you know, like the lady, you know, on Twitter, you know, when, when I said what I said, you know, her first reaction was anger. And, you know, I've said this before. My mother had, had a saying all growing up that, you know, proves true time and time again, as much as I hate to say it. If what you're saying is not true, why you get so mad? You know, that woman flipped out. Had no clue. I knew the history of Lowe's Foods. Had no clue. At one point in time, you know, I was working somewhere that was affiliated with the parent company. Had no clue that I knew that 90% of their stores were in a state that just got bulldozed with snow. I mean, it's it's like, Seriously? And so your natural instinct is to, you know, claw back, block people instead of having an intellectual conversation because you don't know what the hell you're talking about. You're just talking about it because all your friends think it's cool to talk about. And uh, I'm not cutting bad on church people so much, Russell. I would just like to let you know, and you should know this as well. There are a lot of people who like to preach that, you know, they're religious and whatnot and they go to church, but they treat people in the business like garbage. And there's no defending that because last time I checked, that's not being a good Christian. And that's just fact. So, um, let's assume that it's true that people don't want to work. Oh man, people don't want to bust ass for the promise of that. Exactly. And, uh, yeah, I know. When we had the senator on, I wanted to make sure I did the common courtesy to have the bots on. So it's really kind of it's really kind of funny. Like that that is actually hilarious, Joey. Um, that that got <laughs> bleeped out. It, it, it makes me think of the movie Long Kiss Goodnight, where Samuel L. Jackson says, "You know what happens when you make an assumption? You make an ass out of you, an umption." So, but yeah, that's kind of funny. But yeah, I mean, what are you guys hearing? I mean, I know we, we're all kind of like on the whole people don't want to work, but what kind of nonsense are you hearing from customers? I mean, are, is it the same thing? This is the president's fault and whatnot. Oven mitts, blame tag. But yeah, I mean, it's, it's just, uh, it's really, it's really bad. I mean, and, and it does, like I said, there's not a lot of stuff that triggers me anymore, but this one really does because it's just like, you're making yourself look like an ass and you have no idea what you're talking about. And, 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 you know, the, the big one I've heard was that 45 couldn't negotiate better enough to make sure that this didn't happen. No, no. And it's the same thing with the gas prices. God, that, that was infuriating too. It's like, have you ever heard of OPEC? And, oh, by the way, did you realize that the pipeline got hacked and they had to shut it down, which, you know, is manufactured scarcity, basically, and the prices went up. You know, look, 
people keep hollering about inflation. I, I saw you mention that earlier, Blaine Tag. They talk about inflation. And look, and at, at this point, I think we are all under agreement that most businesses are artificially raising their prices because their profit was so high the year prior they wouldn't have to do that. You're complaining to the wrong people. Call corporate and say, hey, why'd your prices go up? Quit blaming it on an administration that has no clue what's going on in the retail business. You know, misplaced anger and, you know, better yet, why don't you just admit what it is? You're selfish twat. You can't get shit the way you want it. And you're going to blame it on somebody else other than yourself and your buying habits. You know, that that stuff that you're coming in complaining that they're out of stock on, do you really need it? I mean, really? You know, these are the same kind of people that don't understand that, you know, generic in a lot of cases is the same as brand name, but they refuse to buy generic because they think it's lesser. They're too good for it, so they've got to have the brand name. Fine, suffer. You don't get what you want. Tough shit. Uh, Blame Tag says, I thought that was the fact at this point that the companies are just marking shit up because nobody can stop them. That's 100% true. 100% true. You know, there's some investigating going on in some businesses that they're actually looking at. They're wanting documentation. They're wanting to actually see. There's an actual federal investigation going on right now. They want to see proof that the supply chain issue is what's causing you to raise prices. And if that goes through, whew. okay, hybrid. I mean, that's true. There's some things, but look, if if you need your pop tart fixed that bad, you know, go with what you can get. That's another thing. Look at Kellogg's products. You know, you had the Kellogg strike that went down. You had them hiring a bunch of people trying to replace the people that were striking that weren't getting trained for shit. There were all sorts of different reports that the products that were coming in were you know subpar and whatnot. Hey. What are you going to do? These same people are going to complain that they can't get their Pop-Tarts because somebody wanted to make a fair wage. Because they do not care about anybody else but themselves. Period. You know, what kills me is, you know, you got all these people that will be upset because they can't get the new iPhone or whatnot. Maybe something's out of stock or all these chips. Man, do you realize what kind of labor situations going on in china if they get paid they, they're getting paid like pennies you know people have no problem you know buying stuff off the back of bad labor practices um yeah russell some of the store brand cereals have been out a lot more um and you know i don't know it used to you could kind of figure out who made stuff um hybrid Blow him up. I have sent personal emails to him. I have tagged him on stuff. I don't know if he's just too big time. You know, I would think somebody with his story would like to talk to a grassroots bunch of people. I would love to have Dan Price on. I I would because, I mean, what he did is is great. Um, Joey says, generic fruit snacks and soda are better than brand name. Tell me you wouldn't be excited to see a bottle of Mr. Good Guy in the fridge. Um I don't know what chain that is, but I will tell you that you're right on some stuff. There's some stuff that I've got to give Target credit. Look, Archer Farm stuff has always been phenomenal. Always. Um, And, you know, it's some private labels are great. You know, like I said, I don't talk about where I work. It's just something that that I don't do. 
All right. But I will tell you that, you know, private label there, uh, not a problem on most stuff. Now, I am kind of picky. There are some things that, you know, we all are. You know, there's just some things that we swear, you know, taste different. And they may. I, I don't know. It really comes down to who's making the private label. I know back when I was in high school working the grocery business at that point in time, and this was, we could find out who was making the private label stuff. At that point in time, the people that were making our cheese was actually craft. And that was great because you were saving a lot of money, but you were getting, you know, top tier cheese you know, for the time at least. And, um, but there's some stuff that, you know, a lot of the stuff out there, there's are proprietary recipes and brands and things like that. And they'll give you something close, but they're not going to give you what makes them special, so to speak. But, you know, it's, uh, just one of those deals where it's, it's a crapshoot, but, um, gotta go to Aldi and see stuff like mountain shouting and Dr. Perky, you know, I got to tell you, as far as Aldi goes, or Aldi, I have not shopped them, and we had some come locally, and it was the first time that we went in there, and it was so funny because, you know, my my kids are pretty technically savvy, and they, they're up with, like, lingo and stuff and like that online, and I didn't realize that it was basically private label stuff, and my youngest son was like, it's like a bootleg store. But people swear by it. Um, and, uh, you know, it's, uh, if you find something that's good, it's good. You know, um, let's see. Uh, Russell says we need to start making stuff like we used to instead of being, you know, now that is something that was in one of the articles. If you go read it, um, especially from like a grocery standpoint, there's a, if there's one good thing to come out of the supply chain issue is companies are really, really, really starting to finally consider and make moves towards not being dependent on imports. And now that's one of the things that's got us in trouble with all this is when you're dependent on another country to send you stuff and you have a global pandemic and everything backs up, you're kind of screwed, you know, but still, even then, we've got an issue with, you know, the labor force. Now, Russell, you know, when I was working for tree with, with you, one of the meetings we went to, that's the one I've referenced about how the head of logistics was talking about, you know, in five to seven years, most truck drivers are hitting retirement age. And back then they didn't even have a plan to replace them. And here we are in that time frame with the pandemic, everybody retired. And they're probably like happy they retired at this point, but years ago, I mean, Russell, you know how long it's been since I've worked for Dollar Tree? I mean, that that was eons ago. But they knew then there was going to be a problem, and it just shows that we're not prepared, you know. I mean, God forbid, you know, they tell us an asteroid's coming to hit us because people are going to be going ape shit. It's going to be crazy. Um, the just-in-time delivery system hit America bad. That is correct, too. That is also in one of the articles. If you go back and read it, I didn't really go over it. That's probably something I should have because what a lot of people don't understand is just in time delivery, especially on perishables. That's how they've operated for decades. You know, you don't want a, a stockpile of perishable goods that are going to go out of date. So there's a certain window of how they order and they get things manufactured and get things brought in. And no one was prepared for this. I mean, you really can't fault a lot of retailers, honestly, no one, 
when people thought that everybody was going to sit home, everybody went crazy and thought it was the end of the world and bought everything under the sun. Retailers were not expecting that. Retailers were expecting sales to go flat and go down. And then with, you know, online sales, that's what everybody did. And it was crazy. I mean, in a three-month time, Amazon passed their prior year sales by 57%. People going nuts. And, um, you know, you see a lot of comparisons. You'll see people, oh, well, we're going to become a communist country where food's going to have to be rationed. Look, if you ask clowns, don't quit buying like y'all are. If stuff starts getting rationed, it's your own damn fault. So thank you for coming to my TED Talk. I wanted to get this off my chest. Uh, it's just, it's just, uh, it's just a a bad, bad, bad thing. And, um, it's, uh, pretty irritating. So good times, good times. Also too, I'd posted, you know, my bucket list of kind of people I'd like to have on the show. I'd love to have somebody from Amazon. I'd love to have somebody from, you know, we're going to have some more Apple coming. Um, Kroger, obviously you know, working on that too. Uh, I will tell you that on the, I believe it's the ninth. I said, we are going to be having a year anniversary special. And I'm going to be, I've extended the invitation to blame tag. Um, Iron Maiden, Mad Dog, Irish, Proto Rage, kind of like the OGs. And we're going to have us a good time that night. We just going to kind of reflect on, where we've been. Ninth of February, Proto. Good to see you. Check, check your DMs. I sent that to you. I know you've been sick. You might have missed it, bro. Um, but we're just going to talk about how our year was, you know, how far we've come, what we've done. And uh, Joey K, that's great. If someone from Amazon comes on, watch their eyes to see if they look off camera for approval before every sentence. That's that's a very, very good point. Very, very good point. Um so, yeah, I mean, actually, you know, it kind of coincides if we're still doing the Justice for Evan thing um, next Wednesday. That is next Wednesday is actually the year anniversary of the Retail War Zone. Groundhog Day. Go figure. How convenient is that? <laughs> but, you know, uh, you know, if you guys know people in the business or, or, or if you come across something, you know, like the whole thing with Senator Brandis really didn't come to fruition except because of blame tag, you know, he cued me in on a conversation that was going on and that's how it happened. Look, if you guys see people out there or you think something, you know, come across something in social media that somebody may have something to say, or you think it'd be interesting, send them my way. I have no objection whatsoever to having just about anybody on the show, as long as it kind of falls underneath the umbrella of what we're doing. And, um, you know, it takes a village to raise a child and, you know, I'm a pretty big child. So, it is what it is. But uh, anyway, if you guys have any suggestions or whatnot, let me know. Thank you guys so much for being here tonight. Uh, I'll let you know. Um, yeah, February, Proto. I, I figured you might be working too because with what the kind of job you have. So if you can't make it, it's okay. You know, but you know, there's kind of like an OG group that I think it'd be nice to just kind of sit back and shoot the shit about the last year. And the kind of things we've accomplished. I mean, we have a Christmas song to talk about. You know, it's uh, that was that was a pretty big deal. So, my boss actually asked me the other day, said we needed to do a new song for this time of year. 
I'm like, okay. And we did have an idea. What do you guys think about a one-off comic book? Kind of like the Avengers with like the OG Warzone crew. <laughs> and like Thanos would be like, like super Karen, basically. And uh, uh, Blame Tag's called dibs on um, Thor. I've called dibs on Iron, uh, Iron Man. And um, I figured it'd be hilarious if we have Irish be Captain America. So I think that's beautiful. So everybody, thank y'all for being here tonight. It's been fun. Thank you for letting me vent on this. I'm really pissed off at everybody keeps talking about, you know, why we're out of stock. You know, this is a lot easier than uh, choke slamming somebody or throwing them through a glass case. So it's not good to go through glass. So everybody have a great night and we will see you next time.